0: Thanks for Sharing Podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship.
1: Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app.
0: You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's path with an S.
1: Hello and welcome to the Thanks for Sharing Podcast. I'm John T.
0: And I'm Jackie P.,
1: we're really excited to have on our show today carver brown uh you've heard us say his name before right um and now you have the privilege of listening to him real time right so welcome carver
2: whoa it's good to be here and i hope this is uh you know with uh, with a lot of uh of acclaim like that i hope it oh it was not bad i hope it's good <laughs>
1: Well, I think I think bad carver is like bad pizza. It's still carver, it's still pizza and it's still really good. So
2: Oh, you were too kind. I may never get off this call.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so there there's a million and one things we can talk with Carver about. Um and we were we were talking just before we hit record about recovery getting too complex and kind of going back to basics and and getting things simple again. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Right. It does. I mean, we have a, you know, as an addict, I mean, I'm, you know, w- what does it say? This is a simple program for complicated people. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have a tendency to get overcomplicate things. I mean, I, I think one of the parts of my disease is overthinking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I can do anything. I can, I can, I can take anything and overdo it. Good stuff I can overdo, but, but I certainly can overthink recovery and I think we've gotten to a place in 12 step recovery that we tend to, to maybe, maybe, maybe we do a little too much, a little mm-hmm. too fast. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. especially with the 12 steps. I mean, you know, in the beginning of Alcoholics Anonymous, the mother of all 12 step fellowships, these guys took a very simple approach. Uh, I mean, as an example in the big book, it talks about here are the steps we took. Well, those guys before the twelve steps were written, there was only four spiritual activities, right? Mm-hmm. There was sharing. There there was uh, restitution or uh, amends, uh, and 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 the, and then there was uh, and there was guidance. And and so anyway, they took this. We so basically in the big book where it says, here are the steps we took. They never took the steps that way it's actually should be written, here are the steps we want you to take, (laughs) right? Because prior to writing them down, that's not what they went through. Yeah. Yeah. So so if you take 12-step recovery and you just simplify it and you look at what happened in the 1940s when AA was so successful, what did they do that was so different than what we do today? Well, Well, one thing that they did was that you couldn't just walk into a 12 step fellowship, declare yourself a member, you know, and start sharing. You needed to attend these beginner meetings. And in these beginner meetings, they took you through the steps. So as a newcomer walking into your first meeting, they would say, well, the beginner meeting is down the hall as an example. So you go down the hall, you're assigned somebody to sit with you. And in one hour, you would take the first three steps. First meeting. Mm -hmm. first three steps. And then the next meeting, you would do a written inventory and share it with your sponsor. Your third meeting, you might go through steps six through nine and look at the simplicity of the amends in the big book. You might make an amend in between week three and four. And in the fourth week, you came back, you did a guided meditation on your 11th step. You talked about 10. And, And you were invited to come back the fifth week and sit with a newcomer. Hmm. So, so in the sense of, of the early days of recovery, only then were you invited to then be a member of the fellowship. So everybody in the in the fellowship in the early days had taken all twelve steps, had a sponsor, and were already helping somebody. Which and that's I think why it such a, exactly, such a
0: and I steps. and I think that some of what you know, as I send clients to twelve step meetings, or as I have clients clients who find me and they've been attending meetings um, there's a maybe a fear or kind of a sense of overwhelming doom about working the steps and Mm -hmm. it can take a long time if they actually get through them you know a lot of a lot of people get stuck on step four and never quite make it through that and and that's what I love you know that I learned several years ago from you is that we don't have to overcomplicate the steps mm-hmm. and that we can work the steps. I think you say, um, what do you say? Frequently you work the steps. What's your phrasing uh-huh. on that?
2: You take the steps. You take the steps quickly and often.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: Right. And so, and then you know, later as you want to really expand and do family origin stuff and you want to look at the steps in relations to your codependence, you know, all of this is absolute proper and absolutely should, should be done. Uh But I say not with a newcomer, let's get a newcomer to step 12 as quickly as possible so that they can have the spiritual awakening so that they can start to have some success and see that recovery works. You know, Jack, you're absolutely right. I you know, I see people that, that go to twelve step fellowships and they hear the things that are being said and they hear some kind of horror stories about how long people have worked on certain steps and how long people have done their or how hard it was to do their inventory. And a couple of thoughts. Number one, it never really occurs to people that the people who were sharing might have not have ever done it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) hello hello there's nobody there's nobody checking sobriety cards at the door you know right let's face it the rooms of recovery are no hotbed of mental health these days (laughs) (laughs) you know come on and so you don't know what just because this guy talks about in fact i always warn my sponsees if somebody is talking about at 12 step at meeting level about how hard this is there's a pretty good chance they might never have done it Mm. Or, or maybe, maybe the process that they went through with their sponsor was just something a, a little more shaming and arduous and controlling. Mm. Right. So, so in every day yours, no different than mine. There are little pockets where pure recovery is, is, is going on, where people are, are are having a light approach and they're talking about sponsorship and they're talking about the steps and they're moving through the process and they're not dragging their feet. And, and, and the challenge of every person in early recovery is to go to your town and find that pocket of recovery and Mm -hmm. don't just go to the first place you see and assume that that's what it is. If, if, if they're people, if they're not talking about steps, if they're not talking about sponsorship and if they're not taking a lighthearted approach to recovery, then maybe you need to keep looking.
1: Yeah. Um, if you could speak a little more just in your experience as a sponsor, as someone who's been in the rooms about that uh, shaming and controlling aspect um, of recovery, because as you've been talking, I've been thinking like what, what is it in us that, Wants to complicate things that are working. Um, I've been a part of a men's uh, support group for the last few months, and I found myself the other day, like formatting in my head, like how are we going to structure new people coming in, and you know, screening them and all this, and then realizing like nobody else who's part of this group that's working was screened or recruited or anything like that. Like they just came. Um, so, if you could speak a little more to that controlling, shaming, overcomplicating thing.
2: Yeah, it's just it's I think it's kind of in the nature of some of us that that that, you know, certain sponsors take a more militaristic approach to this thing. And it may be because that's what they went through. I don't know. Or maybe they maybe they just haven't worked the steps on on their own need to control or what have you. You know, it's hard to say, but I just know that I just get the sense that there's a lot of that going on in the rooms. I've, I've witnessed that and. And it just breaks my heart because what we're here to show up in when what's our code in the 10th step, it's love and tolerance of others, love and tolerance We're to tolerate. And, and I don't, and I don't tell my sponsees what to do. You know, I mean, if they want advice, I'm clear, I'm glad to give it to them. I make suggestions, but everybody is free to do their recovery any way they want. And, and so i merely am a way pointer. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm merely a guy that points the way of the path I've been on and I'm not in, and I think we think too much in terms of sponsorship being a top down mm-hmm. approach. Uh-huh. Somebody that knows a whole bunch of stuff that has all this knowledge parting to somebody that doesn't know anything. I don't buy that for a minute and that's not in the big book. Mm-hmm. It it talks of, there's a partnership. So this is the way I look at it. Me and the sponsee, we're going to join hands, and we're going to join in partnership with the universe, and we're going to grow toward the light together, and I'm going to share my guidance with my sponsee, and the sponsee is going to share his guidance with me. Mm -hmm. And and the two of us are going to ascertain and discern what we believe to be the will of God in our lives. Mm -hmm. That's pretty simple, isn't it?
0: Well, it is and I I really like that idea of partnership because what I find with so many clients is they they don't know how to be partners in relationships. Um, So they know how to be a child in a relationship, maybe in a dysfunctional parent-child relationship. They know how to do that even though they're technically not a child anymore or they know how to be the controlling dysfunctional adult and put somebody else in a child relationship. but. A lot of what I find um, that starts maybe in the beginning of recovery, but especially in advanced stages of recovery, we are working on learning how to be a partner Mm -hmm. and learning how to show up with whatever competencies we have Mm -hmm. and then learning and gaining from other people's competencies.
2: Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think what it is, I think if you if you came from a a background like I did, you know, I came from a, you know, from a damn. my dad was an alcoholic, my dad was an alcoholic marine,
0: Mm. you
2: know, it was like a bad movie. Mm. And and my mom was an alcoholic and addicted to pills and deeply codependent. and, And and so you know, it would have been real tempting for me, you know, how we do in relationships, we tend to duplicate our family systems, right? Right. So it would have been real simple for me to go out and find a real demanding sponsor. You know, in fact, I almost had to break tendencies in a sense, but God intervened on me. The universe had a different idea. And I heard this guy share at meeting level. And I guess the thing that struck me so much was how happy he was. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: He was just so happy and I was so unhappy and, and I gravitated toward that guy and we struck up a conversation and uh, and he just, he, he took me through the steps just really quickly. Now this was like 14 years ago and he was 17 year sponsor at the time. So when you start doing the math and rolling back, when he was, And he was from uh, Long Island, New York, so he could trace his roots back to the early days of AA. Mm. And he had even, when he was a newcomer, had even met a few people that knew Bill Wilson, mm. right? So he was imparting to me the simplicity of recovery. He took me through the first three steps in about an hour. He said, now you're going to do an inventory. And I said, we're going to do a what? He says, now you're going to do an inventory. And I said, how do you do that? <laughs> And he said, well, the instructions are in the book and you better get busy because you're going to be sharing my inventory next Saturday. And I went, Mm. holy moly, you know, and I didn't know I didn't have another template, you know, but this guy was loving and kind to me. And I think too much of the times we maybe we duplicate some child experiences Mm. and we gravitate towards somebody that sort of reminds us of a domineering parent or something. And, and somehow to break those tendencies is absolutely right in recovery. Oh, that's my, that's my, that's my thought on that. I just think we show up and we love, we love each other, love and service. You know, if I want to keep my recovery, I need to be, I need to be giving it away. I need to be in service. Mm -hmm. So literally what happens today when I meet a newcomer is in fact, this is the last newcomer I picked up. It was like, Hey, you look like you're new. You know, and he's like, yes, I'm new. I said, well, are you going to be here next Saturday? He says, yeah. I said, why don't you come here next Saturday? And after the meeting, I'll buy you breakfast and take you through the first three steps. Mm. And he goes, huh? I said, can we slow it down for you? I will buy you <laughs> breakfast, And I will take you through the first three steps. Guy shows up next week. We go and have breakfast together. I take, I whip out my little big book, take him through the first three steps, real simple and easy. And then I say, how'd you like to do an inventory? And he goes, how'd I like to do a what? I said, real simple. I grab a napkin. And on the napkin, I write, "Um, what what are you angry at? And I hand the napkin back to him. And I said, now, I want you to make a list, no more than 10 of what you're at, you know, no more than 10, because I'm kind of busy. <laughs> it's, it's not that I'm kind of busy it's I'm just sort of trying to contain the experience. If you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Then I get a second napkin and I write, what are you afraid of? I hand that napkin to him and I say, I want you to make a list no more than 10 of all the things you can think of that you're afraid of. And then I get a third napkin and I write, who have you hurt? And I hand that to him. And I say, you know, make a list of who you can think of. You've heard no more than 10 because I'm really busy. And I said, you could do those three lists. You could do that tonight, right? And they usually go, yeah, I could do that tonight. I said, great. Tomorrow, I'm going to be in the car and I'm pulling out of my house at 8.15 in the morning. I'm driving to Hattiesburg. It's going to take me about an hour and a half, two hours. Call me at 8.15. I'll have the earbuds in and you just be prepared to go over those three lists with me. Can you do that? And they generally go, yeah, I can do that. And so I do a fifth step on the drive to work.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, they're doing right? their fourth and fifth. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so, so the healing is not in the writing. The healing's in the sharing. Mm-hmm. I don't need him to write a whole bunch of stuff. I need him to share from the heart the things that are really troubling him. And then at the end of that, you know, where I'm going to, we're, we're going to talk about forgiveness. You know, I'm going to tell him that, that, you know, now, now, you know, sixth step. So, so I, I see that you, you know, painting with a wide brush. I see that you got a lot of fear in your life that you've hurt some people that you're running around with a lot of abject anger. Are you ready to let go of that? Are you ready to live a different way to a man? They say yes. And I say, congratulations. You just took the sixth step. Right? Yeah. And then I say, would you like to pray and ask the universe to remove those defects of character? And they generally always say yes. And so I, we make up a seven-step prayer right on the spot. And and then I say, hey, take that harms list, the people you've hurt. Is there any people on that list, if you were to see them tonight, that you'd be willing to tell them you were wrong and sorry and want to make it right? And they go, yeah, there's a someone. Well, circle those names now. I'll wait for you. So now he's doing his eighth step. Mm -hmm. Right. So now we get into the amends part and we just really simple, just kind of say, well, you know, there's four kinds of amends in the big book. It's not more complicated than that. There's direct amends. You're going to sit down with somebody. There's living amends. You're going to change the way you live. There's in kind amends where you're going to do a substitutionary kind of a random act of kindness, kind of an amend. And then there's letters to those who it's inappropriate to approach that we never mail. And generally speaking, most of the amends process is changing the way we live because our families are kind of tired of our promises. Does that make sense? Yeah, those are empty words. (laughs) Empty words. They've heard it before. They didn't know we meant it when we said it before, but you know, we, we, we didn't have a program to back it up. So, we just change the way we live and we write tons of letters that, that we never mail, that we read to, to, to your sponsor or to a priest or to some trusted mm-hmm. friend or you read aloud to the universe, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and then you get them to very easily, you know, prepare their amends process. And then we tell them now, are you willing to start living this way of life and being aware of your character defects? Step 10, we start them on guidance. And I think that's something we really probably didn't get to do maybe much of in the back to basics that I did there with you, Jackie uh, and John, that, that and we could do a whole session around guidance. Mm-hmm. I get them to the point where we're doing a meditation in the morning, we're journaling our guidance, and then we share guidance together. And then I say to the guys, we're going to pray you up a newcomer. Because everybody needs a newcomer in their life. And this simple process, would you be willing to take somebody through this simple thing? And I'll help you with the first one or two. And people are getting better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So
1: so I hear this, Carver, and, and the interactions we have. Like, to me, this is just the Carver that has always existed and always will exist. But I'm assuming that when you came to your first meeting, like, you weren't full of this kind of love that was like, let me take a stranger out to breakfast and, and help them heal. Like how, how did this unfold for you where you can be in this place where it's just so easy for you to um, care about and help and really get involved in meaningful ways in, in your sponsor's lives.
2: Oh, I can't. I don't know. That's the miracle of God. Because (laughs) because I absolutely, when I walked into my first 12 step meeting, I mean, first of all, I sat out in the parking lot and the disease tried to talk me out of even going in, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, I'm, you know, the the disease is yakini yakini, you know, telling me, Oh, you need to get out of here. Oh my gosh. You don't need to go in that room. Oh my God. Those people are going to hate you. You're going to hate them. You know, you need ice cream, get the ass out of here, you know, go home for heaven's sakes, you know, turn on Murder, She Wrote or something, get out of here, and something soothing, and, and so, so I walk into this first meeting, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to sit on the back row, I'm not going to engage with these people, you know, I'm just going to be one of the observers, surely these people must have lots of casual observers popping in from time to time. And I walk in and these yahoos are sitting in a circle. And I'm like, this is no way to come out. Where's the back row on a circle, you bunch of knuckleheads. <laughs> and so, and I go, so I sit in the, in the meeting and the guy with the three ring binder says, says, Hey, he says, I see somebody new. Let's go around and introduce ourselves. And I'm like, oh, just shoot me now, take me to Jesus. I like, oh, my life is over, kill me. And so they started going around this circle. You know, I'm Fred, I'm an alcoholic, I'm George, I'm an alcoholic. This was, this was Mississippi, so I'm sure somebody said, you know, I'm, I'm Bubba, I'm an alcoholic, or I'm Skeeter. I'm an alcoholic. I'm stinky. I'm an alcoholic, and, and 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 this howdy train is going around the corner and it's heading toward me, and I'm I'm making up aliases. I'm like trying to, you know, like okay, okay, okay. I'll be T.J. <laughs> It'll take this group a month to figure it out, you know, and and finally I kind of run out of excuses, and the and the train is now pulled into my station and i just blurred out for the first time you know well i'm carver i'm an alcoholic and you know they seemed reasonably unimpressed with this huge admission Because (laughs) the lady next to me said i'm i'm ginger i'm an alcoholic you know but but uh and i spent the whole hour trying to figure out who these people were and what the heck were they doing you know they they chanted you know keep coming back i was like Where's the where's the agenda that says we chant? (laughs) (laughs) It was like the Rocky Horror picture show without the great costumes. It was awesome. (laughs) I hated it. And and I didn't know what they were talking about. And I just sat there just sort of lost. But I, I do remember trying to figure out what what, you know, thinking like, what is this thing? Well, you could tell by the way people shared that it was spiritual, but it was gut level real. So I made up that this twelve-step fellowships was like Sunday school meets the TV show Cops, mm. <laughs> right? It was spiritual, but people were being shot at, <laughs> <laughs> no, right? Right? So, so I don't know how do you transform that into, you know, into somebody. Well, honestly, John, you can't. Hmm. You can't. There, that that is something that was that there was no way I could have done that. That is the power of the universe. That's the power of recovery that takes a guy that's so skeptical and so hurt and so shut down and so angry. My sponsor said, he said, he said, listen, I don't I didn't want to tell you this in the beginning, but when you came to meetings, you you kind of frightened people. You know, I was just, I just sat in my chair and just see, he said, you know, we could almost see steam coming off of you. You know, he said, I was angry. I didn't want to be there. But but I, I you know and I, I didn't know where else to go you know my my wife wasn't speaking to me the people at work didn't trust me my cat Tammy Faye, was avoiding me <laughs> right and not so, just like, the normal I, cat I and so I was just going to a lot of meetings no it was the it was Tammy Faye who I adored. <laughs> I mean, I love that cat, and she was like, she was so skeptical of me, rightfully so, you know. And and I think that hurt more than my wife not talking to me. I think I was, you know, Tammy Faye, please, not you, uh, my wife. I could understand. We've been through this before, but you, Tammy Faye, have never abandoned. Me. So I don't know. How do you get there? I think that I think that recovery slowly starts working on you. And uh, and I think I think for me, what I found was I think I've always had or wanted to have a real enthusiasm for life. And I think God gave me just this outlet for a way for me to be able to use use the gifts that I've got to be able to be of service with people. And so I I don't know. I just I I so I so identify with those who are struggling because I struggled so and, um, and I, and I don't know, I don't know how it happens, but you can sure see the people that have pure recovery because they're happy and they're, they're kind of have a lighthearted approach to life. They're not, you know, stuff don't go right. You know, that's Mississippi vernacular for things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, and I think two things really mark the quality of somebody's recovery. And it's these really simple two things. I think one is is where are you carrying the message? And number two is how do you handle your losses? Mm -hmm. Because we're all going to have losses. So are you handling your losses with grace and, and are you, and and are you carrying the message? And mostly the people I see who are having trouble getting some kind of, of, of traction on recovery, they're, they're not reaching out to other people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of treating recovery. It's kind of like a little bit of a selfish project. You know, it's about me and what I'm supposed to do. I'm telling you, I I, w- I had about, about three weeks under my belt and my sponsor said, we're going to pray you up a newcomer. And, and I told him, I said, well, I don't, I don't have anything for a newcomer. What would I do with the newcomer? He says to me, He says, Oh, come on. He says, he said, slow down, Dr. Bob. You know, everybody (laughs) needs a newcomer in their life. He says, the guy walking in the door trying to pick up 24 hours, he doesn't care anything about 17 years Mm -hmm. What what from the planet sober. What 17 years he says, he says, how much time have you got? And I said, you know, I got, I got 27 days. He said, the guy walking in the door, he wants to know, more about how do you get 27 days than you do 17 years. He don't care about 17 years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so he says, and you, you're closer to 27 day, you're closer to 24 hours than I am. You know, you know, so much more about how, how to get, you know, you know, everything there is to know about how to get 37 days. You just did it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you tell him, how did you get 37 days? That's all you have to do and just show up with people. And it took me, that was a long process. Cause I, I, I just didn't know. I, I, I gave out my number to people. My sponsor was having me go pick people up at different places and take them to meetings and suggestions like that. And, um, and it was very confusing. And then I was somewhere around a year sober and my career vanished. This 27 year career, just in an instant was just gone. And, and I, I I went back to the beginning and I got on my knees and I said, I said, God, I need you all over again, just like I needed you on the floor of that treatment center. Um, I don't know what to do. And, and, and I know from the big book that working with a newcomer helps when all else fails. And I'm pretty inept, you know, at, at sharing with newcomers. So I prayed on my knees. I said, I need your help. I don't know what to do. Well, the short version is about two weeks later, I got a phone call from a lady in the program and she says, Hey, would you be willing to come down to this place and share your story? And I said, sure, absolutely. And so I followed her into the middle of the inner city, really bad area and pulled in and went into this place and told my story and fell in love Mm. and i and it was a men's transitional housing unit. And I ended up staying there for the next two and a half years as a volunteer. Mm. And, and we, we we started a big book study and we started an AA meeting up in there and those guys taught me how to really be, how to really help somebody. So it was an amazing sort of convergence. On the one hand, I had a lot of time on my hands on the other hand, I I had this heart to really help people and didn't know how. And the third leg of the triangle was, you know, the universe intervened and gave me this beautiful opportunity. And I, and I think, and I've never looked back. I love that. Yeah. I mean, we all need to be in a position. We all need to be carrying the message and we all do it in different ways. And so, We can't leave it up to us to figure that out. I mean, we just got to be prayerful. We need to have guidance about it. And so we just need to release. I mean, I need to, if in fact, helping a newcomer will help when all else fails, then how can I be of help to a newcomer? What Mm -hmm. is that way? And there are places that need volunteers. They need people to show up with pure recovery, to be open and to sit with guys and to just listen to their stories and to just offer up a word of, of, of comfort to them. And, and to just tell them there's hope and, and, uh um, I don't know. And then, and then, and then God starts to bless your life. And then the more God blesses you, then the more your life becomes unmanageable. <laughs> 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 right? <laughs> because, you know, you know, you get a new career. Oh my gosh. Now I don't know how to manage that. You, you fall in love, you know, and you get a relationship that's finally open and honest and, and you don't know how to manage that. Ah, you know, yeah. or, like, or in our case, you adopt the baby and you don't know how to know now my life's really <laughs> unmanageable. All right. of these Are the blessings of God, every one of these, these, these things. And so I think that the blessings of God give us the opportunity for deeper levels of surrender. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause as God blesses you and Jackie, you're, you and John, you know, as your, you know, business has grown and you're helping more people has grown. Hadn't it become more unmanageable?
1: Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And then you start to come up with this notion of doing a podcast. Now that's unmanageable. How are you going to possibly work that into your schedules? And so, but all of this stuff is the blessings of God. So it's another, I just believe recovery is one surrender after another, Mm -hmm. right? So you walk (laughs) into the rooms or you walk, Jackie, you walk into you and and you, you got this cataclysmic problem on your hands. So there's your first surrender. But I'll tell you, after you work on that surrender, after a period of time, you're gonna be faced with the second surrender, the next thing. And what is that gonna be? relationships, maybe, maybe it's food, maybe it's, maybe it's codependence, maybe, you know, who knows what, but, and, and then you're going to work on that surrender. And then what's the next thing you're going to need to surrender? Maybe it's family origin issues, maybe, you know, who's to say, but how do you know when you're faced with the next surrender? Well, it's because you're in pain, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. right? Pain always shows you, That's God showing up, showing you what your next challenge is, what your next surrender is. Yeah. And that's why I try to work three programs. I try to work my AA program. I try to work an Al-Anon program and I try to work an ACA program.
0: Yeah.
2: But, but of the 300 plus anonymous fellowships, you know, I qualify for 217. Is that it? (laughs) Uh, That's all. Yeah. But who's got the time and every time they start coming up with a new one, my new favorite one is under earners anonymous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, and, and, you know, as they start adding more, I mean, I qualify for a new, new one, (laughs) I think, you know, so I don't know. It's, you know, recovery is surrender and, 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 and we just, we just keep surrendering.
0: I think that's one of the things that when I cross paths with you, one of the first things that I learned from you or that shifted for me was, you know, I, I had worked the steps before, but I had worked it in a way of like, okay, I've worked that one. Never want to do that again. (laughs) Right. Uh (laughs) Or kind of that. Okay. I know what my character defects are. Boy, I sure hope they never manifest again.
2: That's and, adorable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if they do, I sure hope I can keep anybody from seeing it. Right. Yeah, Maybe including myself. And, right. Protect everybody. <laughs> and it was one of the things that shifted for me when I heard you talk about the 12 steps, this I, idea that, um, that there's continual steps and mm-hmm when the character defects come up, the best thing you can do is see it and see it quickly. Mm -hmm. And then you want to be talking to somebody because why would you want to carry that around with you? Right. Or why would you want to have to keep pushing that back into the shadow? And so you want to bring it into light and you want to talk about it and say, guess what just popped up for me And, and become aware as quickly as possible so that the pain of that, so that the, shame of that can dissipate into knowledge or awareness or gratitude, whatever it needs to shift into, right? But that, that these steps show up every day, and that's, that's good.
2: Right. See, that's great. See, here's recovery. In recovery, the water gets hotter quicker,
0: Mm, Yeah, I like that.
2: Yeah. See, because before I never even knew there was a problem until the water was boiling. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But now in recovery, the longer we practice this, we're much more sensitive to subtle little variations of temperature. Oh boy there's my propensity to want to be dishonest. You know, Mm -hmm. there it is. I can feel it right there. You know, I really do not want to tell the truth about that thing. I really want to be dishonest and I spot it. And so we, we, we tend to want to just what you said, Jackie, we want to intervene on ourselves quickly and, and that's recovery. It's almost like, see, our character defects are more or less buried alive you know? Mm -hmm. And so whenever I get a challenge in my life, so, so you see it, you see it where a guy walks in and he's working a primary program and then, you know, every sponsor's nightmare, you know, I have met someone, you know, oh no, (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, 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 now we're, you know, and, and get in relationship with somebody and isn't that like pouring miracle grow on your character defects. Yes. Right or right. you get that new that career opportunity. Okay, so I'm in relationship with somebody. Miracle grow. Got poured on my character defects. What's going to happen? Well, all my insecurities are going to bubble up to the surface. All uh, all of my fear of abandonment and all my codependence is just going to blossom. And you'll think to yourself, you know, I hadn't been jealous in a year. Well, you hadn't been in a relationship with anybody in a year. And so now that you are, now you're jealous and you're controlling and you're, and you're wanting to, you're, you know, you're wanting to stalk them. You know, you're (laughs) wanting to, you know, you're wanting to put a GPS on their bumper to find out where they're going, but out of your own insecurities, you know, and you're thinking, I am insane. And I go to my sponsees. Absolutely. You are welcome to. (laughs) Alan. <laughs> Come join yes. us. We've been saving a seat for you. <laughs> and so it's time to introduce a new 12-step fellowship and a new way to work the steps. Mm. Let's work the steps on your codependence. So let's do an inventory around. Let's do a relationship inventory.
1: Mm-hmm. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. So so think let's let's look at the relationship you're in. So what about the relationship makes you angry? What about the relationship are you afraid of? And what about the relationship are you harming? How are you harming the relationship? It, see, isn't that interesting?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: See, I, I just use the same three things and I just apply it to a specific circumstance that I'm struggling with. And so, in a sense, I'm using the steps in a whole nother way. Right. Yeah. So-
1: So I have I have a question for you. And I know we've we've talked to you about this before, um, but maybe for our listeners, um, not all meetings are created equal. um, And not everybody has the opportunity to walk into their first meeting and uh, have a great experience. Um, If if you're listening to this and you're resonating with the power that the 12 steps can bring and working a program can bring, if that's not readily available to you, what what can you do?
2: Well, I tell you, these days I really have fallen in love with the phone in meetings. Mm. Uh, every fellowship has got phone in meetings and, and and generally speaking they are all throughout the day, 7 days a week, and I think that's a wonderful way to connect with people in recovery from all over the world. That has been a real that that's been a new phenomenon that I think that has been a wonderful part of recovery. Uh, These days so I I say I say you utilize phone-in meetings uh, Extensively and 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 I would say You know, we need to be in community with people as best we can So I don't don't be afraid to cross the aisle into a fellowship that may not be the exact right fellowship for you Because if it's a 12-step fellowship, we're not so much. We're there to to talk about the solution and right. the solution in every one of these 12 step fellowships is the same solution. Does it make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I may be struggling in my sex addiction. Well, go to an AA meeting, you know, you can find those for heaven's stakes, you know, yeah. and, and go and, and, and listen to the part about, you know, you know, forget about what the struggle is. What is the solution that these guys are presenting? And how can you apply that solution in your life?
1: Mm. And the
2: other thing I say to guys isn't if you're going to share and you're outside your fellowship, well, we share our stories in a general way. So we don't have to say specifically why we're there, but we could say that I'm struggling in, in my addiction or I'm struggling in my recovery. You could say I'm struggling with my recovery in any fellowship and find a home. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you can just say kind of in general, I'm struggling in my recovery and I came to this, this fellowship and I just needed the support of people and I'm just really grateful to be here. I have sure been uh I've been isolated, um, and and it's a dangerous place for me to be. And so I just appreciate that, that this was an open place for me to come and and to help break the isolation. See I hadn't told them anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Right
2: but I've shared from the heart about what's been something about what's been going on for me. And I just believe that the universe has called us to be at a particular meetings and our job is to listen for the thing that we're called there to get out of that meeting. Mm Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And, and so I understand it's a struggle. I guess what the other thing I would say is, we need to put our diligence as an as an addict lord we had an abundance of diligence <laughs> and we and we need to apply that diligence to recovery you know so we may say well, you know, gosh, that meeting is an hour away. Well, if it was the last crack house <laughs> if, if it was an hour away, would we have stopped? Would that would have stopped us from going? You know what I'm saying? You know, I'd have what, taken
1: what three buses and transferred as much as I needed to.
2: In a hurricane, I'd have gone. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. Let's get honest about ourselves. If we'll just apply our diligence that we would in our addiction to our recovery. Come on. We Mm -hmm. will do, we will break down walls. Come on. (laughs) We will burn places down to get to a meeting. We, you know, so, so listen, are you convinced that what you're struggling from is a life and death issue? Right. Come on. You know, and if it's a life and death issue, come on. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think.
1: You you cut out a little bit there, um, Carver, and it, it feels like you just said something profound. Could you go back after you said, um, "Apply your diligence once you're convinced this is a life or death death thing"?
2: Oh, I don't know. If I said something something important, let me call my wife. want <laughs> 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 to hear? Oh my God, I said something important. <laughs> oh hell! <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know what I said. You just, you gotta, you just, you gotta put, listen, listen, yeah, you gotta be, I mean, convinced. Let's just face facts. I mean, if you're an addict like me, we, we have faced this, this monster. And, and this thing, it wants to, it, it, it's not enough that it wants to kill us. It wants to torture us Mm. and torture the, the people that love us through us. And so if you're convinced that this is a life and death issue, then we got to decide, am I ready to live or is this it for me? Right. Right. And, and, and the thing is, if you got a pulse, you got a chance. And, and so let's keep trying, let's just put the next foot in front of it. Pray on your knees, pray on your knees and ask the universe to give you what you need. You know, I don't believe that there is any person that's ever, that the universe ever places in a position where it's impossible for them to find recovery. Mm. I don't believe, I don't buy that. I don't believe that God has put the guy in the place where there's not enough recovery in that town that he can't recover. I don't buy that for a minute. So there's something in that town and your job is to dead gum it, go find it. Right. Go find it and don't find the first one and stop, you know, go to every 12 step fellowship, find the therapist, find the the spiritual experience, you know, go, go to a sweat lodge, go to, I have tried all this stuff. I've sat in circles with Buddhists chanting in Japanese, wrapping a stick on a block, you know, facing the wall just so that I could have a, a spiritual experience. And cause we, you know, I, you know, listen, this is what I love about addicts. There's no quit in an addict, mm. right? We don't quit and all we got to do is, is apply that sort of I don't quit. I don't settle. No addict settles for second best. I mean, and honestly, we're all, if we want to get honest, we are all on a spiritual quest every one of us. I mean, why did we use, why did we act out? We were trying to find actualization. We were trying to find happiness. We were trying to find contentment. We were trying to find our true selves. Many of us were trying to find deep, committed, loving relationships. Well, that was our goals. We chose, we chose a higher power to get us there. And unfortunately it wasn't a loving higher power, Mm. right? You know, who knew that vodka meth and strippers was not a loving higher power. (laughs) It it worked. It worked for so long. I did not know. Right. But, but so, so all we do is keep our goals, keep our goals, but all we're going to do is apply our goals to a loving solution to a loving higher power who will never abandon us, who will never leave us, who is prepared to open up the treasures of the universe to you to find all of the recovery that you need wherever you are. I don't care where you are. There is a path of recovery for you. And so all you gotta do is you got to apply some of that, that I don't quit, I don't settle energy towards your recovery. And you, my friend, are going to find the absolute happiness. And what you're going to become is like a magnet. You are going to become this recovery magnet. So most of us in our lives were on a seeking mission, trying to find the things that would make us happy, grab a hold of them, draw them in. And the minute that they got close to us, we instantly devalued them. Because Mm -hmm. if I can get it, then it can't be worth anything. Mm. Right? So we stop all of that in recovery. We, we just allow, you know, the universe knows exactly what we need in our life. Let that stuff come to you and the things that are in your life that don't fit or not helpful to you, those are going to just slowly dissolve and fade away. You don't got to push them away. They're going to leave you because they don't want to be around any recovery energy. Mm -hmm. Does this make sense? Yeah. So you're kind of like you sort of become this kind of magnet. You repel things that aren't helpful to you and you just draw it and you and the thing is, you don't got to do nothing. And that's what addicts are so bad at. Right. We want to be doing stuff. Right. We want to be in charge. We want to be out. We want to be involved in the process. And that is counterproductive and counterintuitive we need to let our hands off the steering wheel, get your hand off the throttle. You allow yourself to be and just trust in the process that everything you need to find all the actualizations you desired since you were born are going to come to you. And if with patience and with recovery, you will see that all these things happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that I've heard you talk before too. I mean, what you just were talking about, to me, you reminded me when you've talked about, um, the God of your heart's desire.
2: Oh, I love that.
0: Yeah. Do you want to say a little bit more about yeah, that?
2: Sure. Sure. Well, that comes from a story, you know, so I was struggling, I was in early recovery and I really had, you know, my chemical recovery in place, but my relationships just were, were a mess. And, and so, and I had been, I had been in relationship with somebody and, and they were perfect because they were insane. And so it was perfect. For me. <laughs> and they were really, she was a card carrying member of Mensa. So she was really smart and really insane and it was perfect. And, and so, and she was, and she was beautiful. And, and I just suffered, I just suffered in this relationship. And finally, you know, it had to end, the relationship had to end. And there I was, and I just said, I can't do relationships anymore. And that's when I joined al And so I went on an Al-Anon retreat and I got to go on a a walk on the beach with the speaker. And I told her, I said, uh, I said, you know, I really feel like that, that my, my, my chemical recovery is really doing great, but boy, I just am suffering with this relationships. And she looked at me and she says, well, maybe the God that got you sober isn't big enough God to solve this problem. Maybe you need to order you up a new God. Mm-hmm. and I went oh you can do that <laughs> she said oh absolutely she told the story of going to visit one of her favorite aunts up in Maine and they had they went to this restaurant you know the restaurants that have the giant menus with like mm-hmm. 12 big pages and all the pictures and her her aunt would hand the menu to her and tell her order your heart's desire <laughs> <laughs> order your heart's desire. And so she says, that's what we get to do spiritually. We get to order up the, the, our heart's desire of the God that we need to solve whatever problem that we're suffering from in the moment so she had me do an inventory she said what what would be so what attributes would this new higher power need to have what authority in your life would this higher power need to have in order to solve this new problem and so i wrote about it this this higher power would need to have the authority to choose who i'm in relationship with not me Mm-hmm. this higher power would need to have authority over my codependence and over my need to cling and and try to manage the relationship this new higher power would need to be able to have the direction that the relationship goes in his authority and not in mine mm-hmm. and i would need to set aside you know any sort of notions i had of what i might possibly know about relationships well I tell you, that's what I did. I just, I took a year off. I just said, and that's when I met my dear wife, Beth, you know, and, and, and it was great because, you know, I didn't know, that's a whole nother story, but I didn't know anything about how to be in relationship with somebody and Beth had been in Al-Anon longer than I had been sober. And so I started having to mirror what she did to me, if that makes sense. So like if I called her up and she didn't call me back until two days later, you know, first of all, that would make me crazy. Mm -hmm. And then I would have to say, but maybe that's the way people and you know, real people do this. Mm. And so I would wait and call, I would wait two days to call her back. It was the most excruciating thing I've ever done (laughs) in my life. If she, if I would send her a text and she didn't text me until like the next morning, okay, I would wait and I wouldn't text her back until the next morning. Uh-huh. Not 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 as punishment, but just that I just assumed that she knew what she was doing and I clearly didn't. So for a year, I mirrored her behavior so that I would make sure that I wasn't lapsing into codependent. Does this make sense? Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and I love what you share about Beth when you say that she would ask you when you were upset or whatever, she would ask you three questions. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Oh,
2: I know exactly what you're okay. talking about. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is the greatest thing ever. Yes. So Beth was going through, you know, a real problem at work and she, you know, she would come home and me and my codependents. okay, I'm good. We're going to fix this thing. And so I'm, I'm sit with her, you know, and in my brain, you know, I'm trying to calculate, okay, how can we fix her? Let me kind of, let me make some, (laughs) let me come up with this and, you know, and all, and I'm starting to get, you know, and of course, nothing that I say works. And, and, and so she, you know, and she's getting frustrated I'm getting frustrated. And, and so, you know, all of a sudden, so days go by, days go by. And all of a sudden, Beth starts getting better. You know, you know they, things are starting to work its way out or she's just feeling better about it. And I start, now I'm suffering, you know, because not only have I got my problems on my hands, I got best problems on my hands too. <laughs> and so now I'm sitting on the sofa one day and I'm, I'm clearly upset and Beth walks in and she says, hey, you seem like you're upset. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm really not having a very good day. And she says, can I get you a glass of water And I was like, no, no, I already had some water. I was just checking on you. You know, you just really seem upset and I just wanted to let you know that I really can tell. And, Um, I got some errands to run and I'm going to go catch my meeting. So I'll see you later. Bye. And I slapped my forehead after she walked (laughs) out the door and I said, Oh my gosh, that's how I'm supposed to be doing it. (laughs) So I waited with all my patience. And the next time Beth was kind of twisted around about something, I walked in and I said, Beth, you seem really twisted up about something. She says, yeah, there's this thing going on. And I went, huh? I hear you. Boy, that sounds really bad. Would you like a glass of water? (laughs) And she said, yeah, I really would. I said, great. Let me go get you a glass of water. And I got her a glass of water. I said, here you go, hon. Well, I got some errands to run and I'm going to go catch them eating. And so I'll see you later. And she says, okay, bye. And I left and I went, I'm doing this better this time. Uh
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Because, you know, I'm, I'm acknowledging what she's feeling. I'm offering some assistance. I'm not getting all wound up in where she is, you know, and all, but I'm, but I'm there for her, you know, reflecting what she's going through. And now I'm off to the races to go take care of me. Right. Yeah. I love that.
0: Love that story.
2: Oh my gosh. I got a million of them. (laughs) (laughs) I know you do. (laughs) You know, when you're from Mississippi, that's all you got is your story. You know, what else do we got? I mean, it's Mississippi, for heaven's that's, sake. That's Mississippi's <laughs> we, gift to the world. I think it is. If we didn't have stories, what, we have no reason to exist now. That's right. <laughs> well,
1: thank you so much, Carver, for joining us today and telling your stories and um, sharing your wisdom and your recovery with us. We really appreciate
2: it. Well, John, I appreciate you and Jackie and you guys are just the best. And I love how you guys are just carrying the simple message of recovery and and the ways that you've got, you know, of all the, the education and the degrees and the stuff that you do with people that are just way beyond the simple abilities of anybody like me. I'm my, the, we need, and I utilize professionals like you guys in my life and I'm so grateful and thankful for you that you guys have, have developed this, 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 these tools that you use and, and that you're so, you give them away to us because without people like you, I don't know what would happen to people like us that need you so bad. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you Carver. It's been great to talk to you and we need to set some more up in 2018 and have you back and sharing more wisdom and laughing with us. And, and, uh, recognizing that we have to have a life lighthearted approach to recovery. Yeah.
1: Definitely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Our stories are hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> not, in, not in the beginning, not in the beginning. Right. you gotta distance yourself, but over time looking back, they're pretty dead gum funny. <laughs> I love you guys so much. And I would be honored to be back on your show with you. You just, at any time you guys, okay. I'm here. for okay. you. Okay.
0: We will. Oh, well. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Bye. 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 At the end of this episode, remember that your story matters. Remember there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story till it's
1: finished. You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths Inc. or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help.
0: At the end of another episode, we wanna remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress.
1: Remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me.
0: Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I'm learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to, re- to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.